This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, this is Sean Daly with Green Talk Radio from GreenLivingIdeas.com and Personal Life Media. Welcome to another program. And today we're going to be talking about a perennially uh, popular topic on the program, which is green building. A little bit different spin on it. We want to talk about modern and, and you know sort of modern green building projects, but also what are the the innovative concepts that are happening today. And to talk with me on that topic is Greg Wrights, who's the co-founder and principal of Rethink Development. They're an LA-based uh, real estate development and consulting company. Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Well, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, what got you into green building and where you are today with um, uh, Rethink. Okay. Well, um, probably a lot like uh, many of your listeners, I, um, I came to the whole green movement and environmental movement after um, after being in more traditional business, um, I started my career as a consultant, working as a, as a business consultant, management consultant, and found that to be um, not a very fulfilling career, although uh, quite interesting and a great experience. Um, and after much consideration, about six years ago, I realized that my real passion was for for business, but also for preserving the environment. So I tried to find a way to merge the two interests and came up with the field of green building. Um, and then just started studying the topic and, and getting more involved with, with um, the industry and meeting people and ended up getting a job as a consultant and then moved on uh, to work for the city of Santa Monica as the green building advisor and was able to work on many different projects in the city of Santa Monica. The city of Santa Monica has a very progressive green building program, both promoting green building within the city for their own buildings, but also incentivizing the production of green buildings in the private sector as well. So that was a great experience. And then from there, um, uh, partnered up with someone to launch Rethink Development to focus exclusively on developing green and sustainable projects in, in the L.A. region. So then at some point you went into the private sector and co-founded your own company. What would, what would cause that transition? Well, you know, my experience working in the city of Santa Monica, I was interfacing with lots of developers and trying to promote the concept to them. And, and uh, in so doing, had to do a lot of research and, and finding out... Um, information that would convince them that it was a, a great thing to do and in so doing essentially ended up convincing myself that it was a great thing to do and uh, and I had a hard time selling it to them so I figured if, if I couldn't get other developers to do it and and I was thoroughly convinced that it was uh, the right way to go not only um, as a 
as an environmental um, movement, but also as an economic um, consideration. That um, that I decided that it was if if they weren't going to do it, that I that I could, and and uh, found a partner that was interested in doing it as well. Now you you say that it's it's a real estate development and consulting company. Give give us a typical profile of your services and your clients that you deal with. Well, um, because we do both, we have a unique perspective. Um, we're able to understand um, f- uh, the process from an owner's perspective because we're building our own projects. We understand the implications of all the different possible green building measures that could go into a project and um, understand them from a financial return perspective. So how much money are you investing and what kind of return you get both in the short term and the long term, and depending on the type of the project, um, uh, we can decide what kind of measures are best suited. Um, whereas um, if we hadn't had the experience of working on our own projects, we, we, uh, we wouldn't understand the financial implications of them as well. So we provide um, green building design support, consulting services, as well as lead certification services to clients, uh, building owners and um, developers, um, and and then of course apply the same concepts in our own developments. And we try to really, because we control the projects that we're building, we really try to push the envelope in terms of green design on them um, because we're able to uh, influence the design to a much greater extent than we can as a as a consultant. And just to clarify, this is strictly commercial building, right? We do uh, commercial and mixed use, um, and um, the mixed use includes residential. So it's multifamily residential with retail. Uh, we're also doing um, straight commercial projects, some of which are office with a retail component, and some are straight office. Okay. Well, so what I would be curious to hear about is some of the key features that you would consider in a green home or and or a green business or office building. What are some of the key features that you guys are recommending and implementing in your projects? Well, one of the key tenets of green building in general is to understand the climate and the area and the conditions in which you're building. Um, And in Southern California, we have couple overriding um, considerations, one of which is uh, an abundance of sun and a warm, uh, temperate climate, and another is, uh, is uh, very low rainfall. Um, so we look at the environmental conditions first and apply those to the buildings. We look at the uh, path of the sun and the direction of the wind, and of course keep in mind the, the, the lack of, of um, availability or low availability of of water and the implications of having to import water from a great distance, so trying to reduce the, the water impacts, the water usage of the project. Um, and so, so really focus on first uh, working with the in, an integrated design team to create a, a building that works passively very well, so that captures the free cooling of the wind and the free heating of the sun, or um, or if we're trying to keep the building building cool, making sure the shading is in the right place. All those things from just orienting the building that can make that, that come for free 
and we, we focus on those things first. And I understand from people like Bob Ramlow, who's been a, who have the Arthur Sustainable Living Center in Wisconsin and, and people like that, that, that really the passive design is, is more important than some of the more active designs in terms of the leverage that they have and the efficiencies that can be introduced into a building, a building project. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's right. That's basically you're, you're using good design to accomplish energy savings rather than throwing expensive systems at it. So um, just a little bit of thought in the early stages can really make the, efficient, the, the project so much more efficient, and, and all you're doing is, is spending a little time and a little money on design time and making sure that the, the building orientation and is, is optimized for those passive effects. Yes, it has a great effect, and, and the cost is next to zero. So we're talking about things like what we're talking about, like you know, passive solar thermal, uh-huh. uh, and and what about? Do you do green roofs at all? Yeah, in in one of our projects, for example, uh, we're installing a green roof that's also uh, open space for the project, and so we're 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 doubling up on the utility of the space. So it's a space that's beautiful because there's there's green planted material on it that people can go up on the roof and they can enjoy that um, sanctuary. Um, But it's also providing the insulation to the roof and the other benefits of capturing stormwater and cleaning the air and reducing heat island effect, all of the great things that a green roof provides for you um, while also being an amenity to the residents there. What does the green roof uh, look like in a typical project? Can you give us a, as best we can do on an audio podcast? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how well I can paint a visual picture, okay. but I'll do my best. All right. Uh, in this particular case, it, it uses native plants from around Southern California, which have a certain color palette. It's kind of a sage green uh, color palette, typically. Um, and it looks in this case, much like any other native planted garden that would be in the front of a home or, or around an office building, simply transplanted planted to the roof um, because it is an amenity. If it were a functional roof, just meant to, to provide the benefits that a green roof does without being this, this more beautiful garden, then, then it would have a, quite a different appearance. It would be... Um, little succulent plants planted in a, in a very thin green roof material on the roof. Okay. Well, good. Well, we're going to take a break right there. I want to come back. And when we come back um, from the break, I want to ask you about some specific questions about for on behalf of consumers and listeners that are interested in buying a green home, what they might be looking for. So we'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. We're talking about innovation and green building projects with Greg Wrights, co-founder and principal at Rethink Development. And they are online at www.rethinkdev.com. We'll be right back. Listen to Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Hey, everyone. We're back talking about innovation and green building projects, talking to Greg Wrights from Rethink Development. And Greg, uh, I wanted to ask you about 
specific tips that you can give to our listeners who are interested in, in buying a green home or building a green home, what should they be looking for? Well, I think the uh, driving force behind the demand for green homes these days, well, I think there's a couple. Um, one in particular that I think is, has, has become an important reason for people searching out these homes is, is the realization that the, their homes uh, can be consistent with their personal values. So people that care for the environment and care for their health um, are now aware that they can, that they can buy homes and that, that homes um, can incorporate the features that they think are important in their everyday lives. So they're looking for the homes that, that do preserve the environment, uh, that reduce the impact on the environment, and provide for their health. Um, on a very concrete level, the two most important things that people are looking for are homes that have a direct impact on their well-being, which is health and comfort, and then, and then uh, have a payback on their investment by reducing utility bills. So what people should be looking for when they go look for a good green home are good daylighting, so plenty of sunlight going into the space so they don't require, uh, provide two benefits as a very comfortable and pleasant environment to be in, of course, but then also reduces the electric lighting load needed um, during the day. If a home is well designed, uh, they shouldn't need to turn on lights during the day at all. They should be able to use the house without any electric lighting whatsoever. And are you guys employing products? Like I know that uh, there are companies like SolarTube that are making some really innovative product uh, products along those lines. Are those the types of products that you're using in addition to just direct, you know, the window <laughs> is there? Right. Uh, you know, those kinds of things to sort of pipe the light down into maybe spaces that are, um, you know, tunnel the light down, as it were, down into spaces that are uh, a little bit more buried? Yeah, we're, we're using that concept, um, not that particular technology, but the concept of, of light wells to bring light deep into spaces or courtyards in the middle of buildings to allow that light to go down to the lower levels. Whereas uh, typical multifamily projects often have double loaded corridors, meaning a corridor going down the middle of the building with doors on either side. Um, our projects and other good green built projects will have, um, will have units that have um, windows on both sides and a door on one side, so they have access to, to, to light and air on both sides of the, of, the, of the unit and allow for cross-ventilation, which is another feature that people should be looking for. Is if, if I were to open up windows in two locations in this, in, this, um, in this unit, will the air flow through and will I be able to gain the, the free cooling of, of the natural ventilation? Or will I be dependent on my air conditioning unit to cool down the building? Which, you know, and this, this brings up, an, you bring up an important point here, which is that, you know, green homes, some people think, well, green is just about energy conservation and things like this and sustainability of the materials that are used. But it's, it's just as much about um, a home that's a healthy home to live in. And so, yeah. you know, and so though that, you know, what the example you used of the air conditioner certainly introduces an energy component. There's also just the, you know, the, the health aspects of having a well-ventilated space. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, that, that you're able to get good, clean outdoor air into the environment. 
And then if you do have some sort of a air conditioning system or um, other, other mechanical system, uh, that it has air filtration in it, so it's taking the particulates out of the air and that you're, you're cleaning the air as well. So beyond the things you've mentioned, any other uh, aspects or things to look for? Uh, yes, um, you can take that, that um, health, healthy indoor environmental quality aspect and go further with it and look at the actual materials that are in, introduced into the environment so you're not introducing uh, cabinets that have their off-gassing formaldehyde into the environment, which is a known carcinogen, and uh, paints that don't have uh, VOCs in them, and uh, carpets uh, that likewise don't off-gas into the environment. So uh, anything that's going to add toxins into the environment and make sure that those have been kept out in the first place. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, you mentioned a few important ones. You know, you've got things like carpeting or wood flooring and the finishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually did a pod, just did a podcast with a company called Carlisle, who does pre-finished uh, wood floors, sustainably uh, sourced wood flooring, um, and they're they're doing pre-finishing to address that issue. We've talked to paint companies. You know, because you, you've got painted walls, then you've got furniture which has lacquers and such and veneers and things like that on top. So, like, you have to think about your you know your couches and everything has potential of off-gassing. That's right, and uh, and although most homes don't come with the furnishings, uh, one of the things that we like to do is is uh, to complete the complete the loop by telling them where they can get um, if they need to repaint, where they can get paint, and and where they can get furnishings that are they're also green, um, so that so that they can have a complete home that's green from from what we build to how they occupy it. And green cleaning materials that they're introducing into the environment, which also have the potential for introducing toxins if they're not making the right selection. There. Well, that's great. Well, so you guys are very holistic in your approach. That, that's good to hear because it kind of, seems kind of silly. You spend all this money right. on a green home and then you, you proceed to put completely uh, you know, toxic substances into cleaning it as well as the furniture that you buy and things like that. It sort of becomes a, a pointless at that point. Absolutely. Great. Well, so... And here's a question that, that always comes up, the money question. Yeah. Right? And or there's, it's a two-part question. And the first part is, hey, does this cost more to do this? Oh, well, it, it, it does. Um, it doesn't cost as much as, um, as many people think. And one of the keys to this business is figuring out how can we do uh, all, meet all of our environmental goals uh, at the same time as... Um, as not making it impossible to afford. Um, uh, so, so what I started with, which was the, you know, focusing on the passive features, is key. Um, focusing on delivering energy efficiency and lower uh, utility bills without having to invest in really expensive mechanical systems to do that, but rather um, focusing on on proper shading and natural ventilation and daylighting. Um, so those are the, some of the techniques that we use to, to achieve our environmental goals. And then overall efficiency in construction and, and selecting materials that, that are uh, less impactful in, in the process. Um, 
and we do end up spending more more money than a typical project. What's a typical premium if you can boil it down? If you could, you know, if you can give us an average of the price premium in building uh, one of these projects versus, say, the same one done in a I don't know how to say non-green fashion without consideration of these issues. It, it um, it's a hard question to answer in yeah. in a way. Um, we are building relatively high-end um, units that one expects certain features, whether they're green or not. So it becomes something of an accounting issue. Um, so, uh, so you know, but on, on a, whereas on a, maybe a low-end entry-level home, uh, these things wouldn't be expected. So uh, it, it would be considered an additional cost. So that said, um, we we're probably spending in the range of two to three percent more to build a very green home um, than we would uh, just a nice home. Two to three percent does not seem unreasonable to me at all. Not at all and I think um, because of the way it's done a lot of the focus is on those things that have a return. Um, some that are quantifiable like lower utility bills and better uh, durability and other things that are not quantifiable but certainly very valued which is making a healthier environment for people to live in. Absolutely. Well, so, I mean, based on that kind of premium, are, are these homes basically ending up saving your average consumer that's purchasing this type of home money in the long run? Absolutely. There's no question um, that, uh, that the, the, the value is there. Because, I mean, I mean, the maintenance cost alone, it's, it's costing less to operate the home day-to-day mm-hmm. on, on top of everything else, and that's where a lot of the costs come into play. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, um, the utility bills are 50% lower in some cases, so you can imagine how quickly that that would, that would pay itself off. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, those are the things, those things that have the direct benefit to the owner are the things that we do first. So it's, it's reducing utility bills and it's making it a healthy place to live in. Do you have a particular project that you'd like to share with our listeners that uh, has been interesting or notable in any way? Uh, we have one project in Hollywood that's uh, currently under construction, which we're very proud of. It's uh, called Cherokee Loss. It's uh, 12 condo units and 2,800 square feet of retail on the ground floor. And uh, it's already won an award um, even though it's not completed um, and um, because uh, it is uh, expected to get a very high lead rating um, at least gold if not platinum we, we we'll see where it ends up but uh, mm-hmm. but it certainly it's, it's a very high highly performing building and once again that was that was done by focusing on the features that would have the greatest greatest impact and and pr- provide multiple services uh, at the same time. So we've, that's the one where we have the publicly accessible green roof. So, like I said, all the values of a green roof, but also an amenity for the people that live there. Uh, it has a double facade, which is a very unique feature that um, keeps the hot sun off of the surface of the building. So if you can imagine a building and then wrapping a skin around it about 10 inches away <clears throat> 10, 10 inches away from the building and the skin is a is a perforated metal skin so it's uh, even when it's covering windows you can still see 
out and 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 enjoy the view, uh, but it's keeping a direct light off of the surface of the glass, so you don't have overheating in the in the on the inside. Yeah, that's cool. I'm looking at it as you're talking. I just clicked through to your website and I'm yeah. looking at it as you're talking and it's very it's an intriguing concept. It's very cool for anybody listening in. Check out rethinkdev.com and go to uh, cherokeelofts.php and that'll bring you to the page. It's uh, it's very cool. Very interesting design. Yeah, and the 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 facade itself actually is operable. So so you can actually open it up um, with accordion doors so you can have a clear view or if you want to provide the shade close that down still have the view but have um have the services provided by the by the double facade and so this so is a condominium 12 condominium lofts uh, in 2800 square feet uh-huh. is that and right it's on the historic site of the historic cherokee studios which is a place where 300 gold and platinum albums were rec- were recorded and we're keeping some of the mem- memorabilia from the cherokee studios and incorporating it back into the building huh. a couple of the units actually have recording studios in them to carry on the legacy of, of Cherokee studios uh, into the future How, what were some of the artists you know offhand uh, that oh yeah it was uh, it was Frank Sinatra's uh, studio one ah. he did most of his recording in earlier days and then uh, Elton John is recorded there and um, uh, Snoop Dogg and Lemonheads and yeah, <laughs> everyone in between. Lots yeah. and lots of uh, that certainly crazy. runs the gamut right there. Frank Sinatra to Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> You've covered the wide gamut of uh, musical. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, Greg, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you uh, for being on the program with us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So we've been talking today about innovation and green building projects. My guest has been Greg Wrights, who's the co-founder and principal of Rethink Development down in L.A. And you can find them online again at www.rethinkdev.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.